Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And uh, it's good to be here with with all of our listeners. Um, it's good to see you, Rick. I think we both wore green today. I don't know why. Of course, our listeners have no idea I know. that's the case. I know. Want to want to give a shout out to the people who signed up um, this past week uh, to become sponsors of the show. Thank you very much. We we do appreciate you. We've got a few new new faces in there. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed the bonus video that we posted. Um, and just to point out, all these all these items are being posted on our blog, which is imagedoctorsphoto.com. That's how you can reach us. That's how you can. Um, see all of the the articles and and things um one thing think- i will say is i thought it was fun to do the bonus episode where we went through the images from our trip down to trinidad and, and i got is, some feedback about it that there i got some emails that oh, from good. from some some of our patrons who who enjoyed that as well um thought it was a it was a cool thing to do and yeah it was fun because it's about the pictures at the end of the day I know that's what you enjoy the most. It's what I enjoy the most. So it was, it was just fun to be able to talk about them in that format. We enjoy the technical aspect of the gear, but as a means to produce photographs, not mm-hmm. just to be able to talk about gear. Mm-hmm. It's great to be able to discuss all the technology in the world and all the autofocus features. And, you know, but what's the point if you're not taking pictures, at least for me? No, me too. And I'm, I can enjoy this stuff with lots of features. I can enjoy the stuff that have, that has almost no features and is old and simple. (laughs) As long as I get photos that I like, I'm happy as a clam. Yeah. So it's, it's a good thing. It was fun to do. It it was. That came across. Now we know, um, that, uh, telephoto, lenses are very popular <laughs> uh, with our listeners um especially those big exotics and i think there's a lot of reasons why most of them the biggest reason is that that they're cool and and for most of us they're unattainable <laughs> i think that's you know um and i was i was looking at some of these new lens designs because you know with mirrorless cameras um you know all of the manufacturers came out with with lenses that were redesigned at the very least to include the native mirrorless mount instead of an Mm -hmm. adapter right and some of the trends that i've seen you know we talked about trends of things getting lighter and and they have relatively speaking depending on the system that you're using um but my goodness have the prices gone up yeah i mean these are never inexpensive to begin with but you know the the most expensive lens that I ever had was a 600 F4 Nikon, mm-hmm. the, the VR version. And I got it because the 500 was not available at the time. And I got it because at the time I could, it was, you know, I've since sold it. Um, and what I sold it for, I was able to turn around and buy the 500 F4, mm-hmm. you know, these monstrosities that come in the trunk and the whole, the whole thing. great lenses, but you know, you can't handhold them or anything like this. It's just, you know, not gonna, not gonna happen. And none of us are getting any younger. And so it's, it's nicer to have smaller options. So, but you know, so there's some really good glass out there for, you know, that in the native formats, you know, in 
400 2.8, 600 f4s. Sometimes these zooms, like the there's a Nikon 180 to 400 zoom, and they're starting to include built-in teleconverters even, which is cool, right? I mean, that's a yeah. a neat little thing. You flip a lever on this lens, and so that one's not not available for for mirrorless, but it, you obviously you could use it. So there's a it's a 180 to 400 f4 with a built-in 1.4 teleconverter. And then I think you can still use a teleconverter on top of that. You can just mount the, the teleconverter to the lens if you so desire. Mm -hmm. It's very cool stuff. Um, it was $12,000, <laughs> over $12,000 right. US. That's new. And and when things are priced like that, it, it's it's almost like, it just puts it in a different stratosphere of, you know, who buys these things. I mean, people well, do, but I mean, <laughs> it's like not yeah. most people. I and think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't own that lens. Right. And I certainly don't. You don't. <laughs> we're, we're leading up to what will be our topic. But, you know, another backstory thing on it is like you were alluding to, um, but it's true for me too. Both of us, have owned a lot of the super telephotos, the very fast, expensive, very heavy ones, and ended up kind of concluding that, man, most of the time, these things just sit around and gather dust. Depends on where I mean, you live. It, it does, but for me personally, right. I've owned a 600 F4, great lens, but gathered a lot of dust at times. Um, a 200 to 400 f4 mm -hmm. a 300 to 8 a 200 f2 i used all of them but i man there were a lot of dead periods where i i just did not have something to shoot with them yeah and i think if you're living in a beach house on the coast uh, and there's shorebirds yeah your your mileage may vary if you live in you know some of those places in florida where you can get down to you know, some of those places like uh, where I went with my workshop group this past spring, Wakota Hatchie or, or mm -hmm. you know, Merritt Island, or, you know, these places where you really do need long glass. And, and you know, the the difference in image rendition between something with a slow variable aperture and a, and a fast prime, you know, or zoom, you know, F, you know, a fixed aperture zoom you know, like an F4, you know, you're really going to get different background renditions to a, to a, to an extent, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it's a different aesthetic to your image and it looks nice and it's pleasing, but it comes with this tremendous penalty in, in cost. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so, you know, you look at, you got to look at these things and it's hard to sometimes to look at stuff rationally. You might think you like to do something, um, you might think you'll use the the lens more if you just buy it. It doesn't always work that way, you know? In fact, for me, it really doesn't work that way. I've thought well, that multiple times in the past, but it just doesn't pan out. Um, yeah, and I have a really good personal example of that. Shoot in the future is what I shot in the past. Yeah, That's true for me. Right. Now, I, I like doing wildlife and bird photography. Uh, I also realize that most of the time when I'm going to do it, I have to get on a plane um, to go somewhere to find the right subjects. Mm -hmm. um, so that that creates a challenge. Um, and I also realize that I'm doing it that way. It means the the frequency of the 
you know, how often I go and do that kind of shooting is somewhat reduced. You know, I'm happy if I can do that three times a year now, go do, go to some place to really do immersive bird photography, for example, because we just don't have that here, at least not where we live. So the question is, is, you know, so there's all this good glass out there. How the heck do you afford it? Because <laughs> most of us don't need to take out a second mortgage on our home. <laughs> you know, for something that costs the price of a used car. One way of looking at it, um, if you've got the financial system or resources to handle it, is you can think about the idea of, well, how about if I buy something used, mm -hmm. you know, and you'll get a pretty good discount, just back this used, use it for X number of years and then sell it. Hopefully, not too far off of what you paid for it used and and that that can be a valid thing and 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 in some respects can work out pretty well financially however you still have that cost that you're you know carrying of having that lens around all that time thousands of dollars in a lot of cases that are mm -hmm. that could have been used for other things like plane tickets <laughs> plane tickets or investments or whatever right um that can't happen the the um, thing i've noticed too is that the the used market has shifted a lot and the the value for some of the lenses they don't hold their value like they used to at least that's what i'm seeing it's kind of surprising mm -hmm. you know i used i used to know that if i bought a nikon lens i could probably sell it for about 80 percent of what i bought it for mm -hmm. and that's not happening quite so much anymore um, there are multiple reasons for it, but yeah. yeah. And, you know, and part of it is too, especially for, for exotic glad like big telephotos, there's not the demand for them that there used to be because no, same right. thing. People want to, don't want a big, heavy lens. They want to carry light. And then you've got changing technologies going from mm -hmm. DSLR mounts to mirrorless mounts. And a lot of people like to have the native mounts and there are good reasons for it. But but it leads to slightly depressed costs on the used market, right? But the the other which, thing, which the flip side is that if you're buying something on the used market, you can get a pretty good deal sometimes, right? But both you and I have had a lot of discussions about the idea of um, does it make sense to buy something, or could it make more sense to rent it when you need it, and only then, right? And some of it's psychological. Um, hurdles, bound, you know, barriers to, mm -hmm. to to doing this, um, and it depends on what you're trying to rent or what you're what what it is that you want. But I mean, ten or fifteen years ago, renting wasn't very easy. Um, sometimes it's pretty it difficult. Yeah, it it wasn't a great option. Um, you would either need to rent from a local shop which may or may not have the the gear that you wanted um or if you did it online there was a few places that you could rent from um generally what you had to do was cover the there would be a hold on your credit card for the full price of the replacement cost of that item ouch so if you're renting a eight thousand dollar lens and something heaven forbid happens to it you you just bought it right that that's not very good 
Now today, there's a few lens renting uh, online places where you can rent online and um, uh, lensrentals.com, I think is one borrow lenses was another one. And there may be, there's probably some, some other places too, but they've made the process pretty painless and they've got a good selection of gear, including some of these exotic telephoto lenses that we all want to play with. Um, and that's a key, key point too. Um, and there's some potentially really good advantages of doing that. Um, and, you know, one of the things that you were talking about, the, the huge deposit, that's gone. Right. Now, you know, they, they've changed their cost structure. And now it's a, a small fee that you get charged like insurance um, when you order the lens. That's right. it. You can, come, and, you can pay for insurance, right? Mm -hmm. You can insure it through and, that. And there are some options, you know, including theft and stuff. But it, it's pretty reasonable. So you don't have that huge hit on your credit card for a while, right. which is nice. And but I've used lens rentals several times, either to check out stuff that mm -hmm. was interesting, kind of exploring, or you know, just to see if something would work for me, what it, the results would look like. And I have no aff affiliation whatsoever with them, but I found them to be great. Mm -hmm. It was just a an incredibly easy and painless experience. They seemed extraordinarily organized. It, it was just great. Well, and so let's it talk about very viable. Yeah. And let's talk about the situations where you may want to do this. You know, the obvious situation is you want to rent something that you absolutely have a need for, for, you know, like a one-off thing. Like let's say you're going to Africa on safari mm -hmm. or wherever. Right. And your kit isn't built for that. Um, because most of us don't, <laughs> we just don't, you know, you don't, and you really want to, you know, it's a once in a lifetime trip and you really want to have primo glass for that. You want to have something that's better than your sort of all in one zoom lens and you want to use it. It's an obvious example because when you get back, you return it. You're probably not going to use that lens again. And, and so it just isn't justifiable to buy it, buy one. Um, you know, so that, that's an obvious example. And I think you've even reserved a, a, a lens for our workshop, right? You're going to bring the Rocky Mountain. One, yeah. Yeah. Our, our Rocky Mountain Safari, which by the way, we still have one space open for, um, and you're going to bring, um, a lens that neither of us really can afford, but it's, um, or wants to pay for, I should say, uh, that 100, what, what is it? 150 to 400 Olympus lens. Mm -hmm. Also with a built-in teleconverter, you know, incredibly well built, but it's seventy five hundred dollars. It's, you know, compared to some of these other ones, it's it's, it's kind of on the less expensive side. But, you know, even a three thousand dollar lens is way more than what most people want to spend, unless you're really really using it. Right. So that's one. But another thing, like you kind of alluded to, is well, what if you wanted to just try something out just to see if you like it? Sure, there's an expense there, but it's a lot lower expense, you know, to rent something for a couple hundred dollars, maybe for a week or, or so, just see that it fits in with what you're trying to do, especially if it's not a giant exotic thing. Um, and, uh, you know, then you can decide if you want to buy it later on. I think some of these places even have, you can buy them if you want, like you can rent it and then buy it right off them, you know? Right. I and I think they apply their, I think they would apply your rental purchase to the price of the lens. 
yeah, I know Lens Rentals does that and you'll get an offer, you know, during the time that you're um, renting it. The, um, I think there's a psychological advantage to renting some stuff too and trying it out first. And, and it's, it's almost like there's this honeymoon period sometimes with mm -hmm. new equipment. There's excitement, whatever. And by renting it, you can kind of get through that period potentially. You know, the first day, oh my gosh, this is so yeah, cool. Right. Sample pictures. But if you've actually got um, some structured subjects or a trip or whatever, um, you kind of get through that period and, and get into the more practical aspects of it. Like, how often really would I use this? How much do I really like it? It's no longer just novel. It's, it's familiar. So the novelty of it has gone away. Um, I think that can help a lot with some of the things that I rented. I ended up concluding, yeah, I, this is cool, but I don't really think I want to own that. So that was a valuable thing, even though I paid mm -hmm. a little bit for it. Sure. It saved me from well, the purchase. The alternative price. was been paying, you know, 10 times that much potentially <laughs> mm -hmm. or whatever. And, and then ending up with something that just becomes an expensive paperweight. I mean, you mentioned the lens that I had, um, the Nikon 200 F2 when it first came out. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was interesting because, you know, one with what I was doing at the time, I, I was able to get, I got it because I could, <laughs> I even said mm -hmm. that, said that to Dave Black. I was like, well, you got that, you know, like, well, you know, and this was at when I got it, it was at a time when, when Nikon was still mostly um, DX format. So mm -hmm. 1.5, um, of uh, 35 millimeter. So it was effectively a 300 millimeter lens. And that had some event. I used it at a football game, a high school football game in crummy conditions. And that worked. This is pre D three. Okay. So, you know, ISO was a, a real problem. Um, I used it for some portraits of my son when he was like a toddler. Um, but you know what? I never used it again. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing. I mean, you talk about a chunk of a lens. Mm -hmm. That thing was a beast. It was beautiful image rendition. Gosh, yes. I mean, it was, this is, there was no question about the, you know, the optics were never in doubt here. You know, we're never questioning that. But I did a thing, and I've talked about it before, where you go in, and if you've got a catalog program, like a database, like a Lightroom or something similar, and you can filter out your catalog on metadata. And I just went lens, you know, okay, show me everything I've shot with that lens. And there was like 500 pictures. Okay. 300 of those were test shots, <laughs> you know, or whatever that football game. Cool. And was like, when was the last time I shot that? Oh, I haven't shot that since, uh, 2008, you know, or 2010, you mm -hmm. know, it was the last time I had shot it. And, you know, this was in, and I'm like, what am I doing with this? I'm not. It's just there. And I sold it easily, but I sold mm -hmm. it because um, it just didn't have any value in my kit. And that's an expensive way to find that out. Now, I certainly liked the images I got out of it. But, but you know, if you, if you had something like, hey, I've been asked to do an event or something and I really need uh, a faster lens for this, why not just rent one? Right, because so, if it's not the super exotic lenses, the rental prices are pretty pretty reasonable. 
very. And, you know, we talked about one way of looking at it or the, the situation was the idea of buying a used lens that's, you know, fully depreciated and selling off another one. But you have to carry all that money. Right. Another way of looking at this situation is like the the lens I'm, you know, planning to to have with me up at Rocky Mountain National Park because it'll be fun for the elk and the marmots and all sorts of stuff up there. I could rent that thing, you know, like 14, 15 times for week-long periods and still be under the purchase price. <laughs> right, right. It would, it would take me a while to have that many great shoots mm -hmm. with it. Not the casual dumb ones, you know, around town yeah. and stuff, but the serious ones. And I don't have to carry any of that money. So right. it's... No, it, it, it makes a lot of made, sense. And, 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 and the nice thing too, especially with mirrorless is like, you're not going to run into, well, what if it's not calibrated, right? You know, I mean, you're, you're not going to have the errors or the, you know, potential, you know, there's something to be said about your own gear and being able to dial it all in the way you want, but it's, it's really not a big deal anymore, especially with yeah. these high end things. Um, there's, um, I think there's another thing to think about as a rental item. You know, we've talked predominantly about lenses, but again, yeah. let's say you're going on the African safari, one once in a lifetime thing. A backup body can be important and mm -hmm. nice in that situation. It's not like with some other trips we've talked about where your phone can make a viable backup. Right. It truly right. can sometimes. But for that, not so much. But you could rent a body identical to the your main one. Mm-hmm copy all the settings over to yeah. it have it config configured and ready to go and again you don't have something that's gathering dust most of the time right you rent it just for the trip then you return it and you're done with it yeah sinking two grand or even more now into a second camera as a backup boy if you're not making your living with that all the time that's a lot mm -hmm. of expense to be sitting around to do almost nothing mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of a lot of money so Anyway, these are viable options for things. Um, it's something I'm going to certainly look into a little bit more um, as a way of, you know, you know, we were talking about um, let's let's say your kit is uh, built kind of like how I put together my Olympus kit. We were talking about. I deliberately went with f4 zooms mm -hmm. because I'm intent they're practical. Is, they're they're practical. They're small. It, the idea is for traveling. But if I were doing a trip where I really wanted that 40, you know, that 80 to 300 equivalent with the 2.8 version, hey, just rent it, mm -hmm. you know, $200 probably for two weeks, you know, so it's not, not a problem. You can use that and then it goes back and it's not collecting dust. Anyway, right. it's just thoughts like that. It allows you to, to, to diversify your kit at a minimal cost. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a good option. It's, it's something that you should think about um, anything else that we're missing. Well, no. next week we're going to take a little trip. So we'll have bonus content. We're going to take our trip up to Mount Evans. Springs, goats. And we'll play with some, some gear. So stay tuned for a wildlife episode next week. But until then, that's been all we've got for today. So happy shooting out there. All right. Bye-bye.